Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Today's episode is brought to you by Basecap. So I remember when, you know, really building companies as an entrepreneur, how really frustrating is when you have people missing out deadlines, there's people that are not copied on emails, and then, you know, like everyone ends up failing in the pursuit of, of, of accomplishing things. So email is really great when you're doing one-to-one conversations, but when you have a ton of people there copied, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be missing out on stuff. So for project management, I actually found Basecamp and I found it to be a really fantastic solution. You know, basically what they are is a collaboration type of uh, tool that allows people to really engage with their offer message boards, the to-dos, the schedules, their document sharing, the group chats, and other tools that are going to help you in taking the game of your company to the next level. So go to Basecamp.com forward slash dealmakers and sign up today for their 30-day free trial. And there is no credit card that is required and you can cancel at any time. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder. You know, we're going to be talking about research. We're going to be talking about founding, building, scaling, financing. I mean, everything, everything between. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Liang Schweitzer. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me here. So let's do a little of a walk through memory lane. Lian, so born in China. So tell us about your upbringings. How was life growing up? I growing up in a situation where science and technology is really well valued. And when I was a little girl, I always wanted to become Madame Curie. <laughs> That's where I really got into science. So I majored in biology in college and subsequently become a drug discovery drug hunter. So very happy about the journey so far. So you eventually came to the U.S., and that was to the University of Minnesota. So how do you land in the U.S.? I mean, in China, you have everything that, that you, you ever wanted and needed. So why come to the U.S.? So, so at that time, you know, that was late not 80s. <laughs> at that time, U.S. was very well recognized as the leader of science and technology, as I was mentioning in uh, college. I majored in biology. So I also was trained very heavily on physics, math, and other disciplines. So University of Minnesota at that time had a novel interdisciplinary um, field. It's called bioprocessing engineering. It's putting biology and engineering together. That attracted me. In the meantime, I also took a minor in chemical engineering. I wanted to be understand not only the biology, but engineering part, how bioprocessing works. So that was an interesting area. But at that time, we were actually way ahead of time. By the time we graduated, we were viewed neither engineer or biologist <laughs> because it's harder to, to put us where we belong. So I ended up went back to taking a PhD in biology. So just try to be a real biologist that way. Now for you, you know, you did, you know, before obviously now being a founder and changing the world and, and all that good stuff. I mean, once you graduated, I mean, you did a little of, um, you know, the MS, you know, that you did in, in microbial engineering and chemical engineering. 
But then you ended up in Switzerland, you know, and you did there, you know, the PhD. Now, this got you on track and, and, and really involved with the research space. So how, how was this experience, you know, being in the research, you know, world and really getting, you know, that, that, that time to, to go and look at everything from cancer to cardiovascular kind of stuff? Yes. So indeed, my career, when I went to Switzerland, initially, one of the reasons is I wanted to get exposed to, to diversity. My husband is Swiss, so I wanted to get to know different areas, um, not only from the science part, but also from a cultural perspective. And later on, after my PhD, I came back to the U.S. and did my postdoc at Snow Catering with Dr. Harold Wagner's in Bernard. Right after my PhD, I, because of the exposure at Snow Catering, I know I wanted to do something um, to make an impact for cancer research. Um, I joined Bristol-Myers Squibb. At that time, I was a leading um, company in oncology drug discovery. So, so I started with that. During my more than 10 years at BMS career, started with oncology drug discovery. What I wanted to understand subsequently is how do we make drug more effectively impact not only on oncology, but other disease area like immuno-oncology, virology, cardiovascular, metabolic, and others. So, so then I moved my career as head of um, lead optimization, where we started with the drug discovery program to figure out how to make the best drugs ready for clinical trials. So there I got into exposure of other disease areas. So by the time I left BMS, in my department at any given time, there are about 60, 70 programs ongoing, you know, covering the entire oncology, immuno-oncology field, as well as some of the other autoimmunes and um, other diseases as well. So then at what point do you realize that you want to go from perhaps the whole research, you know, angle and, and doing things in your career to perhaps something more on the company, you know, corporation, you know, type of field? Yeah, I was asked that question, said, did you always know you want to be a CEO from the beginning? My answer is no, actually. I always loved to be in the science field and my biggest aspiration at that time is CSO, Chief Scientific Officer. And so I think I get to this area be a CEO because I realized to do a science well, you actually also need to have vision. You also have to figure out, um, you know, mission and strategy for the whole entire company. And uh, in order to put in any scientific idea forward, um, you also have to understand different aspects of business in order to make effective decisions. So, so when I got uh, offered as a founder and um, CEO for Hi-Fi Bio, I said, okay, let me challenge myself to do that. And so far, I, I really love the journey. I learned so much, go beyond the science aspect. And I think one of the other training about being a scientist is we need you know, by nature or by training, we're very curious. We always want to challenge ourselves. We always want to learn new things. I think be a CEO enabled me to do it. I think it's all, it come naturally to me. It's just because during your career progression, you keep on learning, you keep on exploring new things. And, and taking on the CEO role, it's continually journey on the same direction. 
So let's talk about that, you know, but before we, we actually talk about the CEO role that you have now and, and, and the company that you founded, you know, there's a few events that happen in between, you know, from leaving the research side of things to really now launching your own business. I mean, you were working first at BMS, you know, where you were doing the leading their discovery and optimization as well as, you know, heading up the operation on Asian cancer research for Sanofi back in Asia. So how were those two experiences? How do you think that those two experiences shaped you and prepared you for what was to come now, being a founder? This is an excellent question. I think, um, you know, I just mentioned I'm always curious and explore. And in 2012 to 14 timeframe, Asia started um, getting a lot of new innovative ideas around biotech area. So um, taking on the job as head of Asia Cancer Research for Sanofi is one of the way for me to see what's really going on there because you hear it from the news, you, you don't have a firsthand experience. And also because I grew up in China, so I have a natural affinity towards um, what's going on in Asia. So the Sanofi role enabled me to really get myself back familiar with what happened. And China has you know, progressed rapidly since I left China in the late. 80s to when I went back is 2015 at that time. It's a huge big, it's almost an entirely different country. Then in the meantime, Korea, Japan, Singapore, all those other Asian countries, um, I got a chance to explore because of my role um, for Sanofi, I think really prepared me for the entrepreneurial world I mean, right now, <laughs> in a way, you know, initially going in, um, representing big pharma, then you realize there's a lot of opportunities to for you to get out and to to realize your own vision and you know ideas. That's really a great moment. But Sanofi is a big company. I mean we're talking about over a hundred thousand employees. I mean being the head, you know, of a company like that is a is 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 unbelievable. So yeah. this is quite um uh risky, you know, step, yes. you know, for you yeah. to take from really being at the top of the top. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, you know, being in a in a room with just a bunch of people and, and that's it. So what do you think led you to to be okay with the decision of giving your notice? Yeah, this is a great point because a job in a big pharma and oversee the Asia cancer research um, is a very secure job in a sense, you know, and and. There are challenges, but generally it's not as stressful as being an entrepreneur worry about what's your next round of financing or you know uh, how whether your your ideas or product works out or not. Um, totally different um, type of stress level, if you will. But I think what actually made me wanted to do it is the fact that you know in big pharma's why you are really could be making a difference but it's generally a very slow-paced environment because there's a lot of um as you know big companies there's a lot of meetings a lot of you know people to align in order to make a decision versus in a biotech small biotech startups we can make decision we very quickly so things that takes weeks or months, we can do it in minutes or hours. <laughs> so um, it's totally different, um, you know, 
atmosphere and uh, you could actually feel your impact much more significant that way. I think um, any challenge comes associated with any reward. So, you know, the thing you see an uh, idea can be rapidly changing to a reality that's super rewarding. Now, in your case, it was um, quite a small t- stint what you did with with the next venture with Harbor Biomed, you know, which, uh, you know, you, you were a co-founder, but this was the immediate step to really go into what you're doing now. So what happened with Harbor Biomed? I mean, why were you only there for 11 months? <laughs> That's a good question. So at that time, I was still physically in Asia and uh, Harbor Biomed, one of the idea is to developing medicines, China and um, mostly leverage a platform um, that has been developed in Europe. So at that time, my thinking, my uh, real passion is drive innovative medicines for the global world. And I uh, would like, so So at that time, I've already started championing to go for innovative um, therapies, novel targets, as well as global presence. And um, you know, since I was the CSO, many on the scientific uh, angle, I have limited impact for the overall company decision. Um, so when high five bioscientific co-founders um, and, and uh, you know, the whole idea of applying single cell technology platform from top academic institution can be used for innovative drug discovery as well as you know, global leader that just attract me so much. <laughs> so, so I decided to give this a try. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So then, let's talk about um, you know what happened next. What were the immediate the, the next immediate step that happened here? So when we started, you know, the HiFi Bio, um, one of the first thing is how to translate the platform coming from top academic institution that consists of. Harvard Broad Institute, ESPCI in Paris, um, into an industry setting where the platform can be applied for Dingdale drug discovery that still have a little gap. So the first um, immediate step I had to take is working with experts that um, the HiFi Bio already established with the platform expertise, with engineers there, with the bioinformaticians, who really expert on the single cell to bring them into the drug discovery and development world to understand why it's important to get every run so consistent, why it's important to thinking about the disease biology. So the transformation took some effort, but it was very rewarding. And uh, some of the earlier scientists are still with the company today, and they have grown tremendously from knowing a specific area of engineering or biology, get to know now the whole entire uh, drug discovery path and development. Now we are now having two assets into phase one clinical trials. We are starting, you know, expose those earlier scientists. How do we do a clinical trial? So um, it's been tremendous experience for all of us. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. I got to tell you that. You know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard and already doing your business alone 
is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieversen, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. What, what exactly, I mean, for the people that are listening, you know, Hi-Fi Bio, I mean, obviously you guys are really, you know, tackling how you think about mobilizing the human immune system to really combat diseases. Why, why is that so, so important and, and how do you guys think about it? As you know, drug discovery and development it's a very long and challenging journey. And how do we really coming up with effective medicines is the question many people putting all their lifetime efforts into it. And from HiFi point of view, we think what we can do is trying to apply human immune system as a fundamental approaches to treat different diseases. So well-established um, effective therapy already come to attention is immuno-oncology therapy with checkpoint inhibitors that has been effective, um, you know, helping patients from people, you know, struggling with certain cancer types have no solution at all to now some of the patients have some solution for a period of time or even prolonged period of time. And so we think immune system have a lot of potential. Each one of us have our own potential can be released through certain, you know, drug intervention. And so what we try to build in uh, HiFi Bio is leverage the single cell platform that our initial scientific uh, co-founder put together to look at immune profilings in a way not only we can effectively finding high quality antibody therapeutics through single B cell cloning, also further looking at patient immune context use single cell analysis to identify predictive biomarker when we put that drug into patient population. So we putting the right drug into the right patient population. And then to understand deeper the immune diseases, why you know people having deregulated immune responses and trying to use that to figure out Neo and uh, novel targeting um, strategy. So from that perspective, um, Hi-Fi Bio is super unique, and we describe the whole efforts using a term called drug intelligence science, which combine drug and scientific understanding together with large data we generated through single cell and using deep mach uh, machine learning 
and to really figure out what's the best way from target all the way to patients. And how much capital have you guys raised to date? Because it sounds like this is capital intensive. It is. It is. It's an excellent question. So if you combine our initial runs all the way to uh, Series D, which we closed last 75 million, is well over 180 million in total already. Wow. That's a lot of zeros, Liang. <laughs> and, and we're still looking for, you know, continuous journey to, to raise more, you know, either in private or go going to public um, market because I think what we have done is really showing great potential and we're very excited to be able to bring our approaches to industry in general. So not only, you know, within our own context, but also hopefully transform the whole new drug discovery and development and paradigm that way. So with that, we need more investment, more commitment. And for a company like this, you know, like when 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 you're raising money, I mean, obviously there's probably a lot of listeners that are more on the traditional SaaS, you know, hyper growth type of companies. You know, here is different. You know, the way that you got to think about raising money, the way that maybe you present or the way that the expectations are set by investors. So how has been the journey of going from one financing cycle to the next for you guys? Yes. So what each time we, you know, going through the financing usually is trying to figure out what we wanted to deliver and really figure out what are the milestones, value inflection point along the way. And what we have been getting a lot of support each time we go out fundraising, we got oversubscribed is because we deliver on what we promise. And and so far, not only we deliver, we over <laughs> deliver. <laughs> so so not only, you know, we in five years we identify eight clinical candidates and put three into phase one trials, but we also out licensing two assets out to another uh, biotech company. And we also use the platform successfully established more than five, um, some of those already being publicly announced, um, global top companies collaboration. So, so because of that, you know, I think we've been getting the support and our scientists are very passionate and very committed to deliver what we promised to do. And in this case, I mean, how how have you guys gone about, you know, also building the team? Because, you know, I'm sure that the team is something that the investors, you know, really are banking on. So how did you make sure that you had the right people seated on the right seats of us? Yeah, this is excellent. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about <laughs> how to grow the organization, where to get the talent. And one of the things we are doing very unique from a lot of biotech startup is we started with a global presence. So early on, historically, you know, this company uh, was in um, Paris and U.S. because of the scientific co-founders. And uh, when I started um, the therapeutic effort in 2017, July, um, I'm thinking about consciously whether we should be doing multiple sites or just one single site, you know. Um, and uh, I think at that time, our conclusion is um, to go into an international presence, not only because at different countries we have different um, academic or industry collaborations, but also the talents from different countries are very different. So 
in that way we can maximize our talent pool, especially also bringing diversity, a topic nowadays <laughs> industry talking highly about to have different point of view to bring in innovation. And our diversity generates from the fact that we have locations across different continents. So, so we bring different thinkings, top talent from each of the countries into this company. And how has it been to have multiple offices too? Because I mean, every office, obviously you have the culture that is established by you, the founder, but right. you are in one office, you know, and the other offices, they have the other, you know, senior leadership, you know, that, that is pushing, you know, the operation, but it's, it's different cultures that are, you know, I, I would say deriving from that initial culture that you established. So how do you yeah. go about so, so this is really a great question because, uh, you know, I'm concerned about, um, you know, different sites will impose a lot of challenges. Uh, in addition to cu cultural element, operational element, you also have to be familiar with every country has its own regulations <laughs> and uh, different policies. Um, so we took on this challenge um, trying to figure out what are the common foundations among different sites. Um, so first of all, I did put out a common culture elements out there to make sure everybody's fully aligned with it. So, so the concept we, I put forward is called SOAR, S-O-A-R, supportive, optimistic, adaptable, and responsible. So that was um, set out for the company at the early on stage. To this day, people are rally behind it. Uh, it's amazing to see how a set of culture value that people agreed upon can help to unify different sites. And, and in also practice, especially before COVID-19 times, I've been traveling among different sites just to ensure you know, people really communicate with each other. I get to know them firsthand. I talk to everybody that joined us um, with the company and ensure they feel supported. And, and uh, the beauty of that also is in that way, you know, the three sites we have on three different continents, they talk with each other so well. Often, you know, there's one idea, you know, talked in, um, one site in the morning, the other site could be get it down in the evening while the first site getting to the sleep mode, right? So um, we keep on the whole company operating 24 <laughs> hours a day in that sense um, because of the time differences. And uh, during COVID-19 times, soon enough, we got used to video conferences. So not only it helps me to communicate with different sites, even our team members talking to each other, you know, through Teams and other um, video conference calls. So that has been quite um, effective, and I must say, and uh, we just start, you know, revisiting whether we should thinking about a new sets of culture, values, um, in today's environment, and, and people still find sore is still a good way to go. <laughs> so, so we continuously practice that, and we're going to hopefully the whole company gets higher and higher <laughs> with with the soul culture. Yeah. And 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 for the people that are listening to to get you know the scope and size of your guest's operation, I mean anything that you can disclose into perhaps the amount of employees that you have, the offices that you have, and then also. 
where you guys are at in the phase of developing, you know, all the initiatives that you have. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so currently, the company is close to 100 people, and uh, U.S. is where the most senior leader resides, and um, the clinical team will be also mainly driving in the U.S. So we have um, two current uh, immuno-oncology assets, TNFR to OX40, um, as you know, our major uh, leaders for trying to develop effective immune agonists for patients that hasn't been done um, before successfully all the way to the, the market. So, so we are trying to be the pioneer to do that. In the meantime, where China is a lot of early discovery, day in, day out, including you know, um, animal model establishment, protein science, and all those other important aspects. and. That team has been really strong in execution and bring a lot of early programs forward. And the French team is where the single cell innovation continuously to build and grow because we believe in a single cell drug intelligence concept. And that platform itself and the application, it's only as good as how much effort you're going to willing to put in. So, you know, if we're not continually to do platform advancement if we don't continually to building the whole new ideas about applying this platform, we were going to be stagnant. So in order to ensure we're always in the cutting edge or bleeding edge of the whole field, that the French team has been driving that, um, you know, relentlessly, and it's been really wonderful. Yeah. So in talking about wonderful things, imagine you go to sleep tonight and you wake up five years later. <laughs> and you wake up, how wonderful would that be, right? And then you wake up, you know, in a world, it gets even more wonderful again. You wake up in a world where the vision of the company is fully realized. What does that yeah. world look like? Oh, yeah, I can tell you very easily, right? So we will see whatever the drug immune modulator we developed can be applied to each every patient's by unlocking their own immune system, immune power to cure their own disease. So I don't think in reality will happen in five years, but we think, you know, in 10 or 20 or even longer, we will accumulate more and more immune modulators in our hand that effectively, not only it can help people we know which patient will benefit. And if the disease continue to evolving, we will know which other molecules we can use to treat evolved disease. So in that way, you know, it's a very personalized uh, precision medicine, if you will, but it can be applied for not just small population with individual because there's a lot of common fundamentals about immune modulation are work very similarly. So what we're trying to develop is identify immune modulators can work for broader patient population and we can identify that population in a very precise way. So high fidelity biology, that's where the name coming from. <laughs> Love it. Now imagine you have the opportunity of getting into a time machine. And I put you into this time machine and I bring you back in time. I bring you back in time to perhaps that moment where you were in, in China, you know, working at Sanofi and 
And you have the opportunity of having a chat with your younger self, that younger Leanne. And you are able to tell that younger Leanne, you know, one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? Yeah. It's a tough question <laughs> because um, I'm the type of person never look back. I'm only looking forward and I even make mistakes along the way. I try not to regret and just keep on going. <laughs> and uh, so so if I look back um, to give myself uh, advice is try to have a bit more understanding and patience and one of the things I realize, and I'm still trying to practice, is to to know things doesn't happen very quickly. I'm, I, I tend to be a bit more impatient. <laughs> so, so you know, there are certain times if you just lay, step back and have a deep breath, things will be better instead of putting myself in that stress. So there were times and stressful moments, which I'm sure a lot of CEO has experienced. If I could give them the advice now, you know, it's always good to step back one moment and just give yourself a deep breath. You know, just everything will be okay as long as you don't give up. That's amazing. You know, it's like uh, my father-in-law always says, things will always work out. You know, they may not work out the way that you had thought they would, but they end up working. So, Liam, for the people that are listening, that would love to, you know, reach out and say, hi, what is the best way for the, for doing so? Well, you're welcome to link me with me on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, the, the only problem there is sometimes I don't read all those messages. So I could apologize in advance. I have over 5,000 LinkedIn and uh, sometimes people write me in a frustrated way, said, why don't you re reply? But if I reply everybody's messages, that will be a full-time job or more. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, Liang, it has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you so, so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Okay. Thank you for having me here. It's such a pleasure talking to you. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.